sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. The one team through the years that has had Tom Brady's number, especially in Super Bowls, has been the New York Giants. But those teams that the New York Giants, of course, had, had Jason Pierre-Paul and Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck and Eli Manning, and none of those players are playing tonight. But that is the Monday night football game between the Buccaneers and Giants, with the Bucs creeping up to maybe even a two-touchdown favorite in this game. That's where we're at here today. It's Monday Night Football. It's a big spread. It's a Monday Night Dog. If you have interest, head on over to FanDuel and take advantage. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you covered on all the fantasy goodness here today. We'll cover the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots, give you our headlines, tell you who did what, hit a little fantasy or reality. But would you dare back the Giants tonight, Joe, in a game (laughs) where Monday Night Dogs historically are always covering the number? 2020 really hasn't been the case for that, but... Man, laying two touchdowns on the road. Mm. You would think that if the Giants have anything left, that they would bring it tonight, right? And what have you said about the Giants all year? They always what? The Giants Lose? always cover. Oh, they cover. No, they they cover. always cover. Yeah, you're the you're the one every week. Look at this. That's Another true. Giants they cover. cover. They true. always cover. Mm-hmm. And they're the Monday night dog, which you always say. Monday Night Dog always covers. This is the perfect storm for you, Craig Mish. I can't believe you even have to ask this question. I know the numbers move from, what, like 10 or 10 and a half all the way to 14 now, but I think the Giants have a shot. Some key injuries in this game. Obviously, Godwin's going to be out of this contest. You're also going to have Dante Freeman out as well. So we'll see if Daniel Jones can run amok again like he did last week. Hopefully, he stays upright this time in this contest. But uh, still, look, you got Sterling Shepard back in this one uh, again last week. He looked very good. He got a little extra rest here for the Giants. I think the Giants will be as competitive as they possibly can. What works in their favor is that they can't run the football anyway, and that's where the Bucks really shine. So really, it's kind of a strange matchup in that sense because if you're a really good running football team, the last team you want to see is the Bucs because they really take you out of that. The Giants are not. They're a terrible running football team. They have to throw the ball anyway. So I feel like there's actually an opportunity here for them to cover this huge number. All right, well, we'll see. That, that's the story for tonight's Monday Night Football game as we close out Week 8. Let's take a look at our headlines here. It included the Monday Night game, Bucks at Giants. We'll be tuned in tonight. Nothing really to compete against. Javon Wims, what was going on with him with the Bears yesterday? Throwing sure. multiple punches at a Saints defender in a game. I have a feeling we're not going to be seeing him for a while in the NFL. Six players giving out MLB qualifying offers. Marcus Stroman of the Mets, Trevor Bauer of the Reds, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees, JT Realmuto of the Phillies, George Springer of the Astros, and then some would say surprising Kevin Gossman got one from San Francisco. Trevor Lawrence is out against Notre Dame this Saturday. Clemson opened up as about a five-and-a-half-point favorite. All the suckers are going to be in on Notre Dame this week. They're going to cover this one. It is not going to happen. Notre Dame can't play with the big boys. And two Arizona Cardinals <laughs> is positive for COVID-19. And so we'll uh, we'll hit on that as well. But uh, six qualifying offers. Joe, I guess we can run through them real quick. Marcus Stroman of the Mets. I would expect him to accept. Uh, Kevin Gossman mm. of the Giants. If he is nuts, uh, except for saying yes and signing, he should do it immediately. And then after that, I think everybody turns it down, right? I think Bauer will turn yeah. his down. LeMay will turn his down. JT's going to turn his down for sure. And so will George Springer. So... Uh, I guess it's really Strowman or Gossman. You think Strowman could get a long-term deal worth more than this? Mm, I don't think after this past year, no. I, I don't know. I mean, he did opt out there of the season, so I think that's becomes very difficult. And 
you know, Strowman has to prove that he can go out there and, and do it. I mean, that's the thing. When you have a year off there, I think it's very tough for guys to go, okay, yeah, let's take a look and make an investment. This guy who didn't pitch last year. I think that's a big question mark. So I think it's smart for everybody to kind of go back in there. Uh, LeMayu is one I'm on the fence about. I think he's a, in a good spot there with the Yankees, but I guess he's done enough in these last two years. Certainly 2019 was enough to look for some kind of long-term deal. And I guess what you want to do is you want to press the Yankees and get them to pay. Yeah, I agree. The rest of those guys are all going to sign elsewhere. However, you know, the bottom of a lot of jokes this year going in was Kevin Gossman and that rotation for the Giants. But you know what? Kevin Gossman was okay last year. Like Kevin Gossman was, I mean, especially by the standards of what we were seeing at times. So I think it makes sense for him to take that deal if he can get it. But then again, there's not a lot of pitching out there in the major league spectrum. So who knows what team might be willing? But I, it's going to be a fun off season because seeing where Trevor Bauer ends up really could swing a lot in a certain division. And I think that is the name where there's not a lot of marquee pitching out there. He is the guy right now. And I think that where he ends up, there's going to be a lot of buzz. And if it's a big market team, that's going to be great. If it's a team that, you know, maybe like a Texas that overpays for him, that'll be interesting too. But right now, what does your gut tell you about Trevor Bauer? Where do you think, you know, the early line is on where he might Oh, gosh, I don't know. He's he's given no indication. It seems to be just traveling uh, everywhere. So, mm. I mean, it, be, it beats me. I, I think we're in for a long offseason before any of these guys sign. So it's really hard to, mm. hard to indicate. Um, Look, as far as Gossman goes, I know he had a really good 60 games, but he'd be nuts, I think, to pass this up. I mean, if, if he oh, did 100%. not get a qualifying offer, could he get $10 million a year from a team? I, I, I don't think so. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't even know what this is even about. But uh, Farhan Zaidi is a really smart guy, too. So, look, he must know something. He must, they must see some advanced metric that leads them to believe he's, he can pitch well. Before. And honestly, the Giants don't have a lot of 200-inning guys, and he appears to be one of them. So maybe that's, that's behind mm -hmm. it as well. Uh, Brantley, Simeon, Hendricks, all not extended offers. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that Simeon is probably the most interesting one because he plays a premium position in the infield. Brantley will get a good deal, but getting a little bit older, of mm -hmm. course. And then Hendricks... Yeah. It's it's tough, Joe, to give a closer anything at this point. It's uh, I'm sure it for on a one year deal, Hendrick could get twelve, you know, or, or thirteen, or, or make a lot in one year. But you got to be nuts to give anybody three year deals that that are closers at this point. Yeah, Brantley could really help somebody. I mean, that's that's a still a good. I know he's towards the end, but I think that's a player on a contending team that could really help somebody from the left side. All right, coming up next, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. Very competitive game going right down to the finish. And then the Indianapolis Colts impose their will on the Detroit Lions. Did that mean fantasy goodness from their running back? Not so much. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Trying to sort out the running back position in fantasy in 2020 can really be summarized in this game between Buffalo and New England. Players that you have really not performing, players that you've been waiting to perform actually do, and maybe giving you hope or even giving you false hope the rest of the season. It's been a tough year for the running back position, and that's kind of what happened in this Buffalo-New England game on Sunday. As we take a look at the standouts on the side of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen rushed for a touchdown, 
But his numbers have been meager the past three weeks. Mm -hmm. 11 of 18, 154 passing yards. He threw an interception. Uh, New England was in this game from start to finish. They clearly could have won. Zach Moss did score twice. But look at this even split between him and Devin Singletary. And so trying to predict who's going to get the carries, who's going to get the yards, nearly impossible. Although we do see New England's run defense going the other way in 2020. Moss scored twice. Singletary did not score. And Stephon Diggs has been pretty solid from start to finish this year. Yes. Six receptions, Very. 92 yards. You'll, you'll take what he's he's been giving you thus far. Uh, on the side of the Patriots, Cam Newton had a nice bounce-back game. I know he fumbled at the end, but... Looked pretty good in this one. 15 of, tw of 25, 174 passing yards, rushed for 54 yards, also rushed for a touchdown, giving you 15, 20 fantasy points. That's pretty good against Buffalo. Uh, Damian Harris had his breakout game. 16 carries, 102 for a touchdown there. And then the top receiver of the day for New England was Jacoby Myers. Six receptions, 58 yards. We heard a little bit about Myers last year, maybe he can start to make the most of this season. But, uh, Joe, I, I know that this has been tough to watch the Patriots play, but they play, I thought they played very well. I thought they had a good shot to win. And, unfortunately, you can't really quantify a fumble at the end of the game. But if Newton doesn't fumble, they go to overtime and anything can happen, and that could put the Patriots right back in the mix. But I think this is sort of th – this one sort of ended the hope, I think. But I, I do want to say mm -hmm. that I thought they played very well against Buffalo. <laughs> that's that's very nice. You did a good job, Johnny. I want to say you tried really hard, but you're going to have to go to summer school anyway. That's basically what it sounds like you're telling me. And uh, get ready. It's going to be a long summer school for the Patriots. There's no doubt about that. Look, this is the second 100-yard game Damian Harris has had this year. Can I just point that out? He's only been on the field for four games. Can we just give this guy the football and stop already? Maybe this is what the identity of this team should be, running the football with Cam Newton, running it with Damian Harris, and the occasional opportunistic pass. Because Nikhil Harry is looking more and more like a bust. I know he didn't play in this game, but still, he's had two years now, basically, to emerge and be something, and he hasn't. So they've whiffed there. They've whiffed on some other draft picks. And it's just getting more and more noticeable because this is where we're at. And I got to tell you, it's very frustrating with the whole, yeah, you could have won this game, and you could have, except for the fact you're in field goal range, and Cam Newton's out there running the football and not protecting it, and next thing you know, what should be at least a tie to go to overtime potentially ends up being a loss, and that's frustrating because that's awareness in the game, and that's something that Cam Newton, you know, who is a great talent in terms of athleticism, no doubt about that. There's no doubt that they played better with more self-respect in this game, especially with Gilmore out as well on the defensive side. Like the defense played okay, but still, a loss is a loss. They lost this game, and they look much closer to being a high draft pick, and maybe this will be good for them. Maybe they'll be able to invest in one of the top premium talents and get the next DK Metcalf, get the next playmaking kind of guy, and start to live in the now because this offense is very 8, 10 years ago, and it's not going to cut it in 2020. And on the flip side here for Buffalo, look, this was important. It's good that both of these guys, in terms of what Buffalo needed, got involved in the rushing game. Zach Moss with the two touchdowns was terrific there. There's no doubt about that. And at the same time, Craig, Devin Singletary actually showed up, which is shocking to a lot of people I know. I want to see this continue now because you need to run the football in Buffalo when you get into those winter months and we're fastly approaching them. And Josh Allen looks like he's turned into a pumpkin. Those first four weeks were great ever since, not so much. So if you sold high on Josh Allen, you did well. And it's frustrating because – it was a good story, and you thought he was making some some strides in terms of quarterback development, but now, I don't know. Now it just kind of feels like he's back where he was going into the season, which is underwhelming, which is not great. 
Yeah, well, they're winning games. We'll see. You know, still eight they games to, to keep getting it going. And as far as the Patriots, too, I mean, the other player that they really looks like they swung and missed on was Sony Michelle, and that that to me was. Yep. I mean, all the Patriots That's very the rarely invest anything in running backs, and and he has not worked out at all for them. Uh, but look at Georgia. Chubb was always the workhorse, and Michelle was the was you know that explosive type guy. But Michelle made a lot of his name off that championship game. And, and a good player, nonetheless. But Chubb was was the better player at Georgia, and and that certainly seems like it's going to be like that in the pros. Okay, Indianapolis at Detroit. Lions took yes, of course, a lead. You know the Lions are going to lead in a game, right? <laughs> they left seven nothing in this game, and and you know this is it, it's just a not well coached team. I, that's all there is to it. Really bad decisions, bad playmaking. I watched this game too from start to finish. Uh, Rivers was fine, 23 of 33, 262, three touchdowns. The Colts get the ball on first down, they run. They get the ball on second down, they run. And then maybe they'll throw on third, but maybe not. Maybe they'll run again. They just they 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 don't play a fun brand of football because their defense is so good, and, it, and it play, they played well against Detroit in this one. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, okay, sure, fine. 20 carries, 89 yards, touchdown, didn't see that. Naheem Hines is back again, okay. Jonathan Taylor, zero. Uh, Hines, three receptions, 54 yards and two touchdowns, and then Jack Doyle scored a touchdown for them. Uh, In terms of Matthew Stafford, solid fantasy day, not good reality day for him. He lost Galladay very early on. That's going to be another big story to follow this week and see what's up with him. 24-42, 3-36, three touchdowns, one pick. Peterson did nothing. Swift did less than nothing. Marvin Hall, four for 113. Perhaps he's a name to focus on the waiver wire this week. Marvin Jones scored twice. TJ Hawkinson Got 15 fantasy points. They were trailing a lot, and Hawkinson, I believe, had five catches over like a 10-minute period. I was watching, just kept throwing him the ball over the middle. So yeah. I wouldn't go crazy with that. But, uh, look, for me, uh, the running back situation in Indianapolis now, that that is shocking to see them completely go away from Jonathan Taylor. I thought they were going more to him. Instead, they're going less to him. So any guesses on, on who the guy, the guy is moving for? <laughs> No, I have no, nobody knows. I don't know what Jonathan Taylor did. Did he slap Frank Reich or something? What happened here? What's going on? This should have been a game where you get 20 carries in this game for him. Oh, and look, not to be lost kind of in all the offense too, but in terms of us IDP guys, Darius Leonard came back and was healthy for this game for the first time in a while, and he looked great, had a big uh, moment in this game too. So that's a huge IDP player to get back healthy, and we'll see what happens to that offense going forward. But what is going on here? We're back at square one. We're back at week one, literally, with Naheem Hines and then Wilkins. So I don't know, man. I'm waiting for more information to come out on this whole Taylor thing because I can't, and I and I don't even have any shares. I can't imagine the folks who have all the Jonathan Taylor shares right now what their Sunday was like watching this happen. Because I think there's part of you that you can stomach the Naheem Hines thing because you go, okay, fine, Naheem Hines, game plan, whatever. It's the Jordan Wilkins line that's killer. 20 carries? I mean, has Jonathan Taylor gotten 20 carries all year in a game? I don't think he has. I think the high is like 17 or 18. And that's all we keep wanting. We just want Jonathan Taylor to carry the ball 20 times so we can see what happens. This is crazy. And and look, you know, good job here on the Colts. A big win for them on the road. 
Terrible news here with Kenny Galladay getting hurt. That's going to crush Matthew Stafford's value in Superflex. Unfortunately, it really is, which sucks. Because uh, when Galladay was not in this offense, you see a marked difference than when he is. And um, I don't know if Jones and the rest of the guys in Hall can make up for it. A good double-digit PPR day for Hawkinson again, who keeps putting up double-digit PPR days, which is good. And also a non-touchdown dependent one, too, which is something worth pointing out. But, Greg, if you thought the Lions had a better coach, do you think they would be a better team? I think so. Yeah. I I don't think this is a well-coached team at all. I, I think they have enough talent to be better than what they are. I just, I just do. I just watch them play. I don't like the play calling. I don't like the way that they use their players. The most dynamic player on both sides of the field. Swift was a non-factor too. He's the most dynamic player on the field and they don't even use them. I, I mean, it makes no, every other team in the NFL, even with Taylor not playing as much this week, you have Dobbins getting 15 carries for hundred yards. Well, what are you doing with DeAndre Swift? Like, what, why did you draft him so high? What was the point? I, I mean, I mean, don't they have to win this year? I feel like that coaching staff has to win this year. So in the end, the Lions may get their eight wins. It, it, it very well could happen, but they're not going anywhere. And and by the way, they could have lost last week against Atlanta too. So, it, But again, they just uh, for some reason, they go up. They always lose. It's, it's just the nature of them. But Matt Patricia could go back to Bill Belichick next year. If Bill Belichick comes back to New England next year, that would, that'll be interesting. <laughs> okay, Seattle, San Francisco. We got them up next. Stay tuned. We'll be back on Fantasy Sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, we expected some fireworks between Seattle and San Francisco, and that certainly lived up to the billing. The NFC West looks like the NFL's best division in 2020. A lot of teams playing well. 49ers are solid. Cardinals are solid. Rams are solid. Seattle looks like the team to beat, but that could flip in a heartbeat just depending on the week. Let's take a look at what the Seahawks did on Sunday, and it was really impressive from start to finish. Russell Wilson, MVP candidate himself 27 of 37 261 passing yards and four touchdowns dj dallas actually looked okay in this game Mm -hmm. i wonder if there is more to dj dallas moving forward i'm curious for him 18 carries 41 yards five receptions 17 yards two touchdowns a lot of volume with carson out and uh and hide out as well dk metcalf we've been glowing about him all show as everybody should be 12 receptions 161 two touchdowns he's been fantastic what a line what a line take that in drink that in everybody 12 for 161 and two touchdowns that is a line that is a man's line right there for dk wow that's a great player yeah tough tough week last week though let's not forget about that uh david moore three receptions 18 receiving yards and a touchdown so he got involved in the action as well now for san francisco is a mixed bag because jimmy garoppolo didn't play well and got hurt in this game nick mullins came in and played well so we'll see what they do going forward i think they pulled the plug too early on mullins to be honest with you but we'll see if maybe they give him another shot 18 to 25 238 and two touchdowns for him Jamichael Hasty did not look good enough, I don't think, to earn that full-time opportunity. So we'll see who comes back for them next week or what they decide to do. Because clearly between Hasty, Coleman, McKinnon, at least for between those three, it doesn't look like anybody's established themselves. Brandon Ayuk, eight receptions, 91 yards and a touchdown. And Kendrick Bourne also had 17 fantasy points. A good game for him with Mullins in there. Eight receptions, 91 yards. So I think we pretty much uh, have it covered with this game. 
Seattle in particular, Joe, I think if anybody didn't pick up DJ Dallas, and there certainly is a chance of that because some of the guys were questionable going into Sunday, he looked good near the goal line and got a lot mm-hmm. of opportunities. So, uh, look, he wasn't fantastic at the University of Miami. He was good, not great. They also have Travis Homer there. I, I could make the case Travis Homer was better at Miami than, than DJ Dallas was. So he'll be a name that we got to monitor. And then the 49ers finally uh, had a down week at running back. Like, this is the first week that yeah. they weren't able to get it done. And maybe it was more of game script. Seattle went up big in the game, and there was no opportunity there. But it does look like, in terms of talent from the running back position in San Francisco, it looks like Mostert and Wilson are a step above the rest. And when yeah. they come, when either of those guys come back, it looks like that they'll take over. Yeah, I would I would certainly agree with that sentiment. I think if you can get those guys in a trade right now in your league or the cheap because of the injury, I would do it and try to use those guys as you get to the stretch run here into the playoffs as well. Let's not forget right now, if you're a really good team, you can afford to wait on Mostert or Wilson to get healthy and use them in the playoffs as a flex spot. Uh, the other thing to point out in this game, too, look at what the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers did do. Talked quite a bit on the show last week and quite a bit on game day about what do you do? You go right after Seattle. Doesn't matter what the wide receiver, who the wide receiver, it doesn't matter. Ayuk, almost 100 yards and eight catches. Same thing for Kendrick Bourne, a guy who was basically a min salary on FanDuel play this week. Those were guys we talked about. You got good returns with both of those guys. And keep that in mind going forward on FanDuel. Whoever Seattle's got, doesn't matter how bad the quarterback played, doesn't matter how mediocre the wide receivers might be. That average is higher than 224 in terms of wide receiver passing yards. I mean, that is something you have to keep in mind and target it on a weekly basis until further notice. All right, let's move on very quickly to the Saints and Chicago Bears, a game that went to overtime and the Saints ended up winning. Bears cover the spread in this one. Drew Brees, 31 of 41, 280 passing yards and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara just getting all of the action, 12 carries, 67 rushing yards, nine receptions, 96 yards for him. He's been a great play all year long. Jared Cook involved in the action with five receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. And also Taysom Hill more involved in this one. Five carries, 35 yards, and also scored a touchdown. Moving on to the side of the Bears, it wasn't pretty. It hasn't been pretty the last few weeks, but they were on the doorstep of winning the game. So give them credit for that. Nick Foles, 28-41, 272, two touchdowns passing, one interception. David Montgomery, 89 rushing yards, also two receptions in this one. Allen Robinson, Virtually is the plug-and-play every week. Six receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Anthony Miller, also with a 15-point fantasy game. Eight receptions, 73 yards for him. And then Darnell Mooney scored a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had five receptions and 69 yards there. So the Saints, uh, Joe, just keep plugging along. They're not impressive, basically, in any game they win. They really weren't impressive against Carolina. They're not that impressive against Chicago. They're not really covering any spreads because the lines are just too high. It's like everyone views them as the saints of the past, which they are not. But I would assume that when they get Michael Thomas back, there's a chance of that. Saints are probably playoff bound. But I got to tell you, if it ended today and the saints were in the playoffs, I could see them getting upset. I haven't really been that impressed with them. I don't think it'll be an upset. I was just going to say they seem like a one-and-done team in the playoffs to me right now. That's what they seem like. And I don't know if a healthy Michael Thomas is going to all of a sudden resurrect everything for them. I mean, Alvin Kamara has been leaned on very heavily this year. He's on pace. I don't know if you know this right now, Craig. He is on pace to break the record for receptions by a running back with 126 Mm. right now. So that is an incredible pace there for a guy and something to think about in terms of fantasy, especially in PPR next year. But uh, on the Bears side of this game, let me tell you, one of the fun things of watching this game, and there weren't a lot of fun things, 
was listening to Troy Aikman just basically troll Nick Foles' quarterback play time and time again. His lack of awareness of how much time is on the play clock, his lack of awareness of things of what was going on, sometimes the bad reads, all of this stuff. And listen, I mean, Troy Aikman knows a thing or two about quarterback play, boys and girls. And when Troy Aikman basically said something that we kind of, you know, hinted at yesterday, and we'll talk maybe more tomorrow, he couldn't figure out why Foles was still in the game and why they didn't pull him. And I'll tell you what, Darnell Mooney, I don't think this is a fluke either because he had a really good game against Tampa too. It was I see Anthony Miller show up, but I don't think you can worry too much about this. It just feels like Nagy's game plan is not good on a week-to-week basis, and it feels like it's putting everybody at a deficit, and Foles is not the kind of quarterback that can lift the team up over it and play above the game plan, and that is troublesome, I think, whenever you're looking at the Bears and trying to figure out what they are. The only thing you could take away, Allen Robinson, every single week. This guy is money. You want to talk about like the most consistent player I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have the ceiling of guys like Devontae Adams, but man, what a floor. What a weekly floor Allen Robinson has, and he continues to be an incredible value. I'd love to see him play with the Russell Wilson some just once. Can we get one year where that poor guy can play with somebody not named Foles, Trubisky, or Blake Bortles just once? Next year. Yeah, they'll have a new quarterback Yay! next year. <laughs> okay, the, the night game, if you dared to watch, it was a rough watch for sure. I, I thought Jalen Hurts was about to come in. I thought we were there last night. I, I think we're getting closer and closer, by the way. I think he is going to play at some point this year. Uh, Carson Wentz ugh, didn't play well. 15-27, uh, oh. 123 passing yards, 17 rush yards, two touchdowns, two picks. He rallied the team late a little bit. Dallas kept giving him the ball. I, I didn't think that the Eagles played well. Boston Scott, 15-70. No Miles Sanders. That's probably a factor there, too. Fulgham played well again three weeks in a row. Six receptions, 78 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Rieger almost had two touchdowns in this one, so maybe it's time for me to start putting him back in my lineup again. He did have a touchdown, got 10 fantasy points. Now, on the side of Dallas... It's just an unmitigated disaster. They're they're 0-8 against the spread. It's the first time any team has done that, I believe, in 10 years. This poor kid, Ben DiNucci, is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. 180 passing yards, uh, 22 rushing yards. This guy is, like, throwing sidearm pitches. I don't know what is going on there with him. Ezekiel Elliott does not look like he's running hard at all. Pollard looks better, honestly. 19 carries, 63 rushing yards for him. I'm sure he's trying. I'm not saying he's not, but he just doesn't look right. <laughs> Gallup, seven for 61. Schultz has a zero at the half. He ended up with six receptions, 53 yards. Uh, Cooper had a zero in, at the half. He ended up having one. CeeDee Lamb had two points at the half. He ended up having four. I know they're saying Dalton's going to come back, but it, it, it's just so sad. I mean, you had... <laughs> you had such great fantasy options on Dallas, even with them oh. losing so much. And, and nothing's going to be worse than giving Dallas all these primetime games and Thanksgiving games and putting them on oh, TV. And brutal. it's like they're the oh, hardest yeah. team to watch in the NFL. They have, I mean, there's not many teams that had, well, let's see, three wide receivers, a tight end, a quarterback, and a running back, all fantasy-worthy starts. Yeah. Not, not owns. Listen to the verbiage I'm using there, boys and girls. Starts. That is a huge thing. And now they've all gone from starts to questions. Every single one of them. I know you can't sit Cooper. You can't sit Elliot. You have to hope for the best here, but it is bad. And speaking of bad, Carson Wentz, and this has been going on. I got to watch all the Thursday game last week against the Giants. The guy is just constantly trying to do too much. 
oh my God, Carson, I understand that you're getting jumpy from getting to have to run all over the place because the offensive line has been a sieve, but still, he is just constantly trying to make plays where plays need not to be made. He's putting his team in a deficit. He's turning the ball over more than anybody else right now in football. This is terrible right now. You have a real shot to basically run away with this division now in the last eight games of the season, but you are literally going to hand it away. If you're not careful and you're the Eagles, the Eagles need to get this right. And I don't know what it is because you watch Carson Wentz and I watched him last night. I watched him last week and I watched him the week before. There's moments where he has these great throws. You're like, wow, look at this. That throw to Fulgham last night was a perfect example. Another great throw. But it's what he does. Well, all of a sudden he's rolling out. He's turning four different ways. He's trying to throw the football when he should be just eating it or throwing it away. This is a problem. Somebody needs to sit him down. I don't know if they've got to do that whole like clockwork orange thing where they pop his eyes open and put him a thing and have him watch film of like Tom Brady and Joe Montana being respectable with the football and responsible with it. I don't know, man. It's a bad scene, but I think that Jalen Rager is somebody in the second half that could be a big pop. I liked what I saw out of him yesterday. I know it wasn't a huge line, but you said it. He almost had two touchdowns, and they need a wide receiver to step up in that void. So he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on in the second half of the season, no doubt about that. What about Danucci? Hey, Danucci might be. Hey, Danucci had. Hey, hey, I had twice as many yards as that Tua guy, huh? Eh? I bet nobody had that. Fair enough. Uh, I had twice wow. as many passing it, yards it as that guy. How do they not trade for a quarterback? What is wrong with them? I guess, I guess they don't. I mean, did they not care? <laughs> I don't know, man. But that's looking more and more like a Thanksgiving game to be eating during, right? <laughs> Who are they playing Thanksgiving Day? I don't I mean, know. I'm not even sure. Uh, and we, the Lions, we'll, we'll too? We come back. Oh, gross. Fantasy reality next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We'll be back with you on tomorrow's show, introducing a new segment on the show. We're going to do a little sports card segment each and every week here on Tuesdays. Find out which cards are hot, which ones are not, which ones that you should get graded. A full conversation we're going to start having tomorrow on the show. So make sure you stay tuned. Of course, baseball is over. Uh, Tuesday is more of a quiet day for us, so we're going to mix it up a little bit. New guests as well as we close in on the end of 2020. Hopefully good things in 2021. Of course, Election Day is also tomorrow. I know a lot of your minds will be focused on that, but we will be right back here tomorrow hosting the show from noon to 2 Eastern for sure. Uh, also, Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions, according to the NFL Network, and a miss this week. So, Joe, just the quick ramifications from that. Marvin Jones certainly would think gets a tick up. How about uh, Hall, the wide receiver Hall? Seems like he's been more of a factor yeah. recently. It could be Hall. Hawkinson would certainly benefit too. And uh, maybe in the short term, you see Quentin Cephas a little bit too, or Quintus Cephas, excuse me. Um, that could be another name to keep an eye on in the deeper leagues. Now this is like your 14-team leagues and your 16-team leagues, and those do exist. But uh, certainly uh, Marvin Hall is another name to at least keep an eye on. But I think the immediate recipient would be TJ Hawkinson of a couple more targets. But keep in mind, there's been a lot of buzz that maybe after this last uh, loss on Sunday that – 
Detroit could be looking to maybe move Marvin Jones. I mean, Marvin Jones is a as a wide receiver. It's been around the league for a long time. That could help somebody who's having some trouble. Maybe if you don't like AJ Green, maybe Marvin Jones is the guy for you. I don't know, but certainly not a good situation for the Lions. Any kind of Galladay injury. And look, let's be honest, Galladay's missed a lot of time. He has hurt a lot of his fantasy owners this year by missing that time. And let's just hope that he's okay and it's not a a long term injury. But hip does not sound like a good one. Yep. Hurts me too, having him, that's for sure. All right, Mm -hmm. fantasy or reality as we end our show here on this Monday. Let's start off with a little Major League Baseball. Uh, Free agency has started officially. Qualifying offers are out there starting next week. You're going to, or this week, you're going to start to see players potentially signed. Or will we? Fantasy or reality, there will be a big Major League Baseball free agent signing before January the 1st, Joe. Fantasy or reality? (laughs) If this question was 2019, it would be reality. If it was 2018, it would have been fantasy. So which is it in 2020? Mm. Yeah, that's a great point there, too. And, and I miss this because this was hot stove baseball, you know, in December. It was great. I, I remember even – I was going to say it was the, the trade that the Mets made with the Astros, right, where they got uh, Bell and Mike Hampton. I remember that was right before the holidays and things like that. And, you know, I kind of missed that where a lot of hot stove baseball things were really going on. But – the hot stove has been pretty cold lately, which kind of sucks. It's kind of boring. It's frustrating. And it's frustrating for the players and for the teams, too. Everybody's been waiting to sign the last couple of years. I think we'll get one big signing. And I think that one big signing, if I had to just throw a dart on it, would be George Springer. Because I think the magnitude of a deal like that, I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams in that mix necessarily maybe two or three realistically in terms of payroll that could really make that kind of a move happen so i don't know how many suitors he's got and i think whoever wants him is going to be aggressive to solidify him because i think going forward looking into next year that is the one marquee bad i mean jt real muto is a great player but when you're talking about marquee offensive players two-way players to springer certainly one of those guys that is in that conversation i don't think bauer would be the first one that's just my gut instinct he's a little bit of an enigma And I think he's going to have a lot more suitors potentially as well. As you're saying, he's kind of going around everywhere. So my money would be on Springer. It would probably be late in December, but I think you might get it before Christmas. What what do your spidey sense tell you about if we're going to get anybody to sign here before the first of the year? Right. Well, uh, last year in San Diego, I was at the winter meetings, and it was fantastic. We had Garrett Cole signing in Strasburg, and and Mm -hmm. there were a lot of moves being made by a lot of teams. And I think that baseball was kind of pushing – the winter meetings to become a thing again because the year before was when it took forever for Harper and Machado to sign. Yeah. Uh, they signed in February. Real Muto got traded in February, in January. Like mm-hmm. two years ago was a horrible winter Terrible. meeting. Last year was actually actually fun. Last year, so I think we're going to be somewhere in the middle this year. I don't know that it'll be horrible. I don't think it'll be great. I'm going to say fantasy. I don't think that any of the big names are going to sign hmm. for a number of reasons. First of all. How can a team sign anyone not knowing if there's a DH or not in the National League? I think that's a big part of this. And secondly, uh, at least from some of the conversations that I'm having, Major League Baseball uh, is still a little unclear as to what the COVID world is going to look like in 2020. And if you thought it was difficult uh, to pay players for 60 games, try asking the owners to pay the players Mm. for 162 games with no fans again. So... I think that has, but got is that to different with a guy up. like Springer? I, I guess, I guess that's why Springer to me might be that one guy because he's more of a long-term investment. Whereas even a pitcher, you're like, well, how many starts are we going to get out of him? One-year deal guys or two-year short window guys? But Springer's different, right? Like, isn't Springer more of that 
seven year contract kind of guy that you're kind of looking past 2021 with anyway? Maybe, but I still think the teams would like to know if they're going to get mauled on revenue again in 2020. <laughs> so, uh, and, that, and that's why I put January 1st, because I'm just not even sure if they're going to have it worked out. My guess is they're still going to want to make the winter meetings a thing, and I'll be mm-hmm. wrong. At least that's what I'm hoping for. But I'm going to just say fantasy for the time being because it's unclear. But I am hoping that sometime in December when they have this virtual winter meetings, I guess that's where I'll be sitting right here during the winter meetings. That's what we'll have. <laughs> okay, fantasy or reality? Hey, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, my best friends, that's for sure. Four, five, we, we picked them five times in the Super Contest in eight weeks and won five in a row with them. Amazing. Uh, but right now they're still not the favorite on FanDuel to win the Super Bowl. That's Kansas City fantasy reality. Joe, the Steelers are the favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2020. You know, I, I'm going to say this is a, a rea- uh, fantasy. Excuse me. Uh, I still think the Chiefs are the favorite in the AFC even. And and it's just because when you watch the Chiefs play, I think that their ability to spread the ball around on offense, the different ways they can beat you. And, and look, I don't want to take anything away from the Steelers. The Steelers have played great football. They went into Tennessee. They won a big game two weeks ago last week, obviously here on Sunday. They won a huge game in Baltimore. They have another rematch here. This one's going to be in Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving night. That's going to be a great game for sure. And the defense has been brilliant. I think the Chiefs defense has been opportunistic and they've been pretty good all year. They were very good in the second half of last year too. And I think when all is said and done that I still think the Chiefs are just a cut above because I think at the end of the day, a close game, who do you want with the football? I want Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter, and I just believe in that guy, and I think he is just a transcendent player. So it's not a knock on the Steelers. I think the Steelers are definitely right there in the thick of it, and I would love, love to see that be the AFC Championship game this year. But right now, I still think the defending champs are the champs, but the Steelers are a close second, and they're getting closer every week with these big wins. There's no doubt about that, especially the big road wins. That tends to really build up for you. But you got to keep everybody healthy. Devin Bush is a huge loss. I think that's going to show up, too, as time goes on there throughout the season. But there's no doubt about it. This pass rush is for real. They were for real last year on defense. The offense was just so bad this year. The offense has rebounded now that Roethlisberger's been back. So I think it's definitely a, they're definitely a playoff team. We know that. They're definitely, I think, looking more like the best team in that division right now, more than the Baltimore Ravens. What do you think, Craig? Do you think they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl? No, I'll say fantasy. I think you're right. I think the Chiefs are still the favorite, but I would say that if somehow Pittsburgh was able to get home field, that would change my mind a little bit. I think more so this speaks also to the fact that you have two bona fide Hall of Famers playing for Pittsburgh right now. Excuse me, one playing, one coaching. Mike Tomlin, I mean, every year this guy's got the team winning somehow, some way. It's, It's really remarkable. And then it can't be understated. Look, Dak Prescott has shown just how important quarterbacks are to their team in the NFL. And and really, Prescott being hurt and missing the year may have helped future quarterbacks even more to get paid because they see what the result is. But Ben Roethlisberger is so important to the Steelers. They I, I, Somehow they, they snuck in eight wins last year. I'm not even sure how they did. Defense. But defense. Can- That's how good. Listen, that is how good the defense. If you go into the metrics of the PFF stats on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, that's how good they were last year. They were just so bad offensively that even if they had just a little bit of offense, they could have been better. But look, you're seeing it right now. You're seeing the same thing happen. It's even more tenfold because Dallas doesn't play. But when you take oh, – Dallas doesn't play defense. But when you take away the starting quarterback from a team, I mean, this is what happens in the NFL. The drop-off can be absolutely just – 
abysmal in terms of how down the offense can become. And it's frustrating for Dallas because they don't play on the other side of the football. At least last year, Pittsburgh did, and that's how they got to 8-8. Eight and eight. Minka Fitzpatrick and all these guys making plays last year. All right, finally, fantasy or reality, Halloween 2020 has come and gone, raining on Halloween night for me. So it was not much of a Halloween, but Candy was involved, I will say that, as a precursor to this. Fantasy or reality, Joe, you ate more than five pieces of Halloween candy. Let me quantify this. This would qualify Mm -hmm. as candy that was not in your house prior (laughs) to the 31st that you basically ate as a result of Halloween uh, night on the 31st. Fantasy reality, you ate more than five pieces of Halloween candy. And if so, what were they? Are they? I ate six pieces of Halloween candy because the Reese's peanut butter cups were the little tiny ones. And the little tiny ones are not the same thing as a real one. So I had three of those. I had a Hershey special dark because I'm a dark chocolate kind of guy. And uh, I believe I had a Kit Kat, I think. So let's see, we're up to three, four, five. Was there a six? You must have got the same bag as me. Sounds like we got the same bag of candy. Well, I mean, here's the thing. See, I'm a chocolate person. I don't like the Smarties and the other crap. This was always a frustrating thing. As a kid, I'd go out there trick-or-treating, and i get Starburst and all these candies that I didn't really like. I don't like those sugar candies or the candy necklaces and all that crap. Meanwhile, my parents are giving out Nestle Crunch Bars and all the – they were giving premium candy at my house, and I'm out here working my butt off. It's 40 degrees. I'm in this mask, and you know – Back in the 80s, you know, yeah, there's masks that would cut your eyes and the He-Man mask and these things like that. You're breaking your butt basically out there. You're getting all kinds of problems with, you know, things cutting your face. You can't breathe. They have a little tiny mouth hole where you could barely breathe. It was tough to go trick-or-treat back in the 80s, okay? You don't understand what was going on there, all you spoiled brats out there. But look, uh, my kids went to my parents' house and they went to the other grandparents' house. And basically, I think they were able to not fill their buckets, but come away pretty good in terms of candy from just two houses. So that's a positive. So I, I think I ate five or six, uh, give or take there. How about you? Did you indulge in the Halloween candy at your house or ones that your kid hired? I'm going to say reality. It was like sort of right on the money. And it was those little, little ones this year for me. Yeah. Those little, uh, the, yeah, I, I, th- I bought one big bag. No one even came to where it was just raining. It wasn't about COVID. It was just raining in South Florida. Mm-hmm. So no one came around in my neighborhood but we're stuck with all of this candy now sitting in the house and not only that but even after the candy corn conversation that we had i didn't even know that my daughter just ordered a bag of candy corn i mean out of nowhere and so that just showed up at the house on saturday i'm like where do we even get this from i guess you can order them online and they just deliver them like that so i didn't even have any of that but i would say reality i had five or more than five right around that number i would say that that's that's pretty much fair. Yeah, it's good. It's, it, you know what? I got to tell you, you know, I was actually glad because then then the candy just sits there in that huge bowl and then you have to have the conversation. And look, you can have two pieces tonight. And then every day, well, can I have this? Can I have this one? Can I have this? What about now? Can I have a piece? So in a way, it was kind of nice. Now, we did have some limited trick-or-treaters out here. Where I live, I live on a main drag road, so there's no sidewalk, so we don't get trick-or-treaters. But it was definitely a weird Halloween. However, our costumes were a success. Did post the, the the full Thanos uh, picture there with the kids all dressed up. We looked pretty cool, I will say. So at least we got the cool photo op out of all that. And who knows <clears throat> whether or not Thanos might make another appearance here on the program. We'll have to see. Like you said, baseball's gone. So desperate yeah. times may we'll come for desperate measures. Yeah. yeah, we might. It just might. Happen. As a matter of fact, I did a live stream Saturday night, our uh, wager <laughs> alarm live stream for the super contest picks. I got dressed up for that as Willy Wonka. No, oh, nice. And, and now that we and now that we had a good week, uh, I may have to be Willy Wonka again. 
going going into hey, this week. Can't change the don't mojo screw on with that. The streak. You're four and one. Do not screw with the streak, my friend. Gotta Got try on. again. That's for sure. All right, coming up next, it's time for the Sports Grid 60, and then we'll say long, uh, say so long to you here on this Monday, but make sure you stay tuned. we got a full lineup of programming over on sportsgrid.com, and we'll be back to wrap it all up for this show. Coming up right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow at noon Eastern. We open up one of our new segments here on the show, taking a look and giving you a little inside tip on collecting sports cards, how to get them graded, which cards to get graded, which cards are the most graded right now out there, and how to make a little money on the side. Why not? Everyone seems to be doing it. We'll dive in as well. Before we end the show, let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia. He's got the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Hey, where are all those people go that kept saying Dak Prescott isn't really that important? Where are all those people, those Cowboy fans, saying, oh, he's overrated, we could do better, we shouldn't pay Dak Prescott all that money? How's it looking now? couple weeks into this thing a couple Andy Dalton games a Ben DiNucci game all of a sudden Dak Prescott's looking pretty 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 good and looking like he could basically get any contract he wants I don't think you realize what you had until it's gone but Dallas Cowboys fans oh my goodness did it go away quickly and I can tell you right now the sooner you get Dak Prescott back on that field healthy again is the sooner you can start winning games but you got to play some defense too however I think there's one thing that's for certain now. We understand just how important Dak Prescott is to the identity of the Dallas Cowboys and to their relevancy in the NFL. Yeah, the uh, the quarterback position, if if that wasn't proven going into this season, there's no doubt that it is proven right now. That is for sure. All right, there's been a ton of injuries in the NFL, and there's been a ton of issues in the NFL. I, I have to say, though, I am pleased that we've gotten halfway through the NFL season and basically almost – two-thirds of the way through the fantasy season without much of a hiccup. I would also say that I am very concerned for the last five or six games in the NFL as we're seeing spikes around the country of uh, of COVID-19, even here where I am in South Florida. And now I'm starting to hear about people that I know are starting to get it as well. My advice to you, for those of you who are playing fantasy football, is definitely to stick it out and hang in there, but also prepare for the worst at this point. Make sure you have your backups. Make sure you get a backup plan set. And start looking at your playoff matchups as well. Don't forget, as we talked about previously here on the show, Seattle takes on the New York Jets at home in the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. All right, that'll do it for the show. Thanks again to the folks at LTN, of course, uh, to Danny and our producer, Brett. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Hope you have a great Monday. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll be back here tomorrow on Election Day for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great night, everybody. See you. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.